This is unstructured. Hey everybody, today I have actually two people. It's this is a really interesting show. Um, it's Marco Perazzo. Marco is the owner of a martial arts academy, and he works with mixed martial artists. And since I'm tangentially interested in it, but completely clueless at it, I brought back a popular former guest, Larry Roberts. Now, Larry has multiple black belts in different disciplines. Uh, all the terms just kind of ran together when they were described, but I knew that he could help keep this on track, ask some much smarter questions of Marco than I could, and jump in. So how are you doing today, guys? I, I am well. Sorry to, sorry to talk over you, Larry, but I'm the guest of honor here. Uh, <laughs> Pardon me, uh, Professor. <laughs> I, I'm well, and I'm, I'm really excited to be on your podcast. I actually met Marco in uh, Philadelphia when I was at Podcast Movement. Marco was oh. not in Podcast Movement, but he was in one of the sessions that was outside. It was kind of a meetup, and we got talking, just really um, had a good conversation and chatted for a while, and we set up this interview. So it's, it's really cool when you can meet people at a convention, not only in the convention, but just around the convention. Found out that he is into the school. He's a, a big fan of podcasting. And I, th I believe you're thinking about doing a podcast yourself, Marco? Yeah, you know, I, I've done some stuff really uh, more so on YouTube than, than anything, but uh, I have a bunch in the can. Uh, a bunch of different themes, and it's for me. My problem is post production. You know, I guess it's everybody's problem in, in podcasting is kind of getting your content and then getting it getting it out there. And I really enjoy the the creative side of it, but sometimes the technical aspects of it is what uh, is what gives me some problems. You know, it is difficult to get listeners and viewers if you don't release them, right? Yeah, but you know, I have them, so it's beautiful. <laughs> the, this could be like the oh, the never released stuff that once you know this blows up, your your podcast blows up, and they could say, oh, Marco Perazzo has his own show now. Okay, well, Larry, I think will agree with me on that. He wrote the book One Plus One is podcasting or equals podcasting, and I have a feeling Larry may encourage you to. Why don't you? push that stuff out well you know i can uh i'll be more than happy to send you a book professor and and that way you can uh, get a little little back end technical aspects of the uh, of the art form no i that'd be that'd be awesome and I, I think part of it for me is the uh this is so much fun right you know it's like talking to people and getting your concepts out there and kind of you know like like jumping into it and then once this is over it's not a lot of fun so <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's true but the, i would yeah I'd, I'd love to check the book out cool uh, get, we'll get your address after the show and uh and i'll shoot you a copy awesome thank you well very cool now um you came out of the corporate world from what i understand right i, I mean i really wouldn't call it corporate but yeah i was i was working for some a, a large uh health insurance company for a while uh, uh, a hedge fund but uh you know I, i'm the kind of guy that i've made a lot out of a little went to college for a year never graduated but you know, I can make connections pretty well and people will, will trust me and give me a kind of a level of responsibility that once I start working with them, they say, okay, you know what, he's, he's ready for more and more and more. And then kind of, kind of goes from there. And then from working in the, you know, quote unquote corporate world, it was just mind numbing and, and, you know, soul crushing. Uh, I got the opportunity uh, from a friend of mine to teach martial arts. And uh, that's how I kind of wound up with the school. Now, how did you get into martial arts? 
Man, so the UFC, I think, started in about 1993. I had zero interest in the martial arts uh, whatsoever. And then around 1993, 94, the UFC started. And my childhood friend had wrestled in high school. And his father had gotten him involved in judo while he was doing wrestling to kind of keep him sharp and, and, and keep him grappling. And uh, he's like, you should come check out, you know, one of my judo classes. And I was like, ah, whatever. I'm, I'm not really that interested. One day his father, now this is, I'm going to tell you how old I am in a second, but his father records <laughs> on a top loading VHS VCR, uh, the, the UFC on pay-per-view. And uh, I, he's like, you got to come over. There's this cage fighting thing my dad recorded. Yeah, whatever. It sounds like the WWF at the time. He goes, no, it's real. I'm like, whatever. I take a walk over and lo and behold, it's this little skinny Brazilian guy in what I thought was a judo gi at the time, beating up some martial artists and, you know, steroided out freaks. And I was, I was hooked from there. That very next day I went to, uh, I went to my first judo class. Wow. Yeah. You know, it's funny that you say that because I, I can remember the first UFC as well. And I was already ranked in, uh, I believe at the time, Taekwondo. Um, and I was taking Kempo at the time. I didn't have any ground skills whatsoever. But I specifically remember because we had a poster in the school, as a matter of fact, uh, for the UFC that I think we yanked out a black belt magazine. And uh, I can remember my wife went to buy groceries while I watched this thing. And I'm sitting there. Watching Hoist Gracie, who's uh, who you're, I know you know who you're referring to, uh, yeah. going through and just just destroying people, and not really destroying, but he was beating these guys, and I'm like, this is so ridiculous. Why do these guys suck so bad? You know, like I could have done this, and I, I remember seeing the ad in Black Belt Magazine before the first UFC even hit fifty thousand dollars, and I was like, well, nah, probably not for me. But after watching it, I got kind of cocky. Yeah, well, it was it was one of those events that really turned, from what I understand afterwards, it really turned the martial arts on its head. Because up up until that point, everybody thought the martial arts was what we saw in movies or, you know, what was being taught in uh, karate schools or, you know, taekwondo, kung fu, that, you know, most fighting happened on the feet. Uh, and then going to the ground was not an option. And the Gracie family, and especially Hoist, you know, showed us here, at least in the United States, that, you know, groundwork is unbelievably important. Now, <laughs> can you go into detail a little bit about that? Because you guys are slipping into uh, the knowledge. What What do you mean exactly by groundwork? Is that more of like a wrestling right, uh, so, maneuver versus uh, kicking or, or punching? Or Right. So up until... 1992 1993 right we would have all assumed that the best fighter in the world was the heavyweight champion right because he would knock everybody out silly in his hands and all this other stuff and then by extension anybody else that was very good at punching and kicking was deemed an amazing fighter and obviously they are i mean punching and kicking is, a, is an important skill uh and we can round back to this later and how it's kind of come full circle but the Gracie family kind of hacked fighting where they realized that there's a certain set of skills that stand-up fighters don't have and can't deal with, right? And the example that I like to give and a lot of other people like to give is the job of a referee in boxing is to do what? Is to count the knockdowns and to break the clinches, 
right? Mm-hmm. So the clinch meaning when they're in tight and they re- really can't hit each other. So what the Gracies saw was like, well, if I clinch somebody and they can't hit me, all of their striking skills are basically nullified, right? Mm-hmm. And then from there, using the takedowns of judo and wrestling and, and of other sports, getting them to the floor, someone that's used to punching and kicking on two feet has no idea what to do once their back hits the mat. Hmm. Okay. So it, it's bringing it closer to a, a, a real street fighter survival, which is, uh, I'm guessing, you know, anything you can do because you're not limiting yourself to kicking or punching or this or that. It's if, if you can get a hold of them, get a hold of them. If you can punch them, you punch them. Well, so, I mean, but to be honest with you, the Gracies were taking the, the opposite side of that coin where they were saying is we're not going to really punch you because we're not good at that. So we're going to not punch you. We're going to grab you and take you to the floor. Right. So that they weren't really at that time, um, they hadn't kind of rounded out the circle where nowadays, you know, everybody mixed martial arts is truly that like everybody trains everything. But back then, jujitsu was, you know, like if you were a jujitsu guy, you were just learning how to deal with somebody punching and kicking at you and using your jujitsu, your grappling, your clinching skills to get them to the floor um, to nullify what they were good at. But just with, like with any sport, uh, people start dedicating more time to it. Strikers start learning how to deal with that thing. So if you're one dimensional nowadays, it's really a death sentence for, you know, at least UFC or cage style fighting. Yeah. Jiu-jitsu, I think dominated for a solid 15 years before strikers started adapting to the, avoid the takedown and keep the fight standing. Uh, And as professors mentioning here, now that it's come around, um, jiu-jitsu by itself is not going to work any longer in, in the in a cage scenario now in a street encounter and for self-defense it's great because 99 percent of the population if not even more 99.9 percent of the population are going to have no clue what's going on here they think a street fight is we're going to punch and we're going to kick and they're not anticipating where the where the fight's going to go and with jiu-jitsu once it goes to the ground uh, you're you're on a whole other another level Right. And look, we don't have to be so, so formal. You don't have to call me professor. Sir's fine. Oh, sir. Yes. Okay. <laughs> sir. Mr. Mister, and sir. <laughs> oh, my. What's um, up with the professor thing, by the way? I, I mean, that's a, that's a, um, uh, I don't know in the more traditional martial arts if that's something that you is used, but in, uh, in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, it's a term of respect that we use for our instructors who've, who have achieved a certain rank. Uh, but also there was a nickname I was given before I achieved that rank uh, because I was instructing and a lot of people thought I, I had a, a really good way of teaching and, you know, I was professorial about it. A, a friend of mine who's no longer with us uh, kind of gave it to me, you know, because he was unhappy that somebody else was calling themselves professor in this area. So it was, it was, it, I, it, it was nice to get, but I didn't, I wasn't quite a professor when I, when I got the nickname, but now I actually am. What is that rank? So depending on the martial art, you know, you become, some people will say, you know, like some Brazilian jiu-jitsu exponents will say it. Once you get your black belt, you become a professor. Then other people will say it's second degree. There's not uh, like in Taekwondo, there's the international Taekwondo Federation. Brazilian jiu-jitsu has the international Brazilian jiu-jitsu Federation. Uh, But it's not as strong as some of the other governing bodies. So, well, I would say the accepted idea is typically a black belt. Some people will say it's second degree black belt. And you are third degree. Not to not to brush my own shoulder here, but yeah, I've been I've been a black belt for ten years. Okay, so you're familiar with the sport? Well, a little bit, yeah, yeah, a little <laughs> bit. Now, Larry, um, you have um, a 
couple black belts hiding in your closet too, right? Yeah, but uh, I'm not ranked in jujitsu at all. So we'll, we'll throw that out there right now. But I do have a black belt in Taekwondo. I'm a second degree black belt in American Kenpo and a first degree black belt in Mudaquan. Uh, that's the Taekwondo, sorry, American Karate, which is kind of a, it's just, it's not really anything other than a lot of different arts that somebody pulled together, and we call it American Karate. We call it Texas Karate, where I'm coming from, and it's just <laughs> hardcore. We'll, we'll, <laughs> you know, it's just use what works type American Karate. So, is that like the Chuck Norris school? You know, he had a one timer. Uh, Chuck Norris, if I remember, he is. Um, God, what? I'm, all I'm thinking of is Kuxuwan, and that's not right. Uh, but anyways, no, it's not exactly Chuck Norris, but Chuck Norris is from Texas. So I'll say yes, me and Chuck were tight. No, nice. <laughs> <laughs> Chuck is a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, by the yes, way. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Uh, I've heard he is the real deal. Oh, 100%. I mean, yeah. All counts. There's no- yeah, you know, I, I think there, there's like, there, so there's a whole school of karate, like in the 60s and 70s in this country, where those guys were legitimate my wife told me not to curse, but uh, <laughs> badass fighters in this country. Do you know what I'm saying? Like these were guys that were like, it, it's unfortunate because I think karate gets a, it gets a bad rap now. And I think that has a lot to do with teaching children and kids getting black belts and, you know, like th- that kind of thing. But, you know, there were, there are dudes in this country that you, you look up, um, you know, uh, Bill Superfoot Wallace and, you know, just to, to name a few that, man, they would kick your teeth in, you know, it wasn't just like touch sparring. These guys were going in there and fighting for real. Hmm, okay. Yeah, check it out on YouTube, man. Look for look for uh, Superfoot Wallace. Look for uh, Johnny Terrio. Look for uh, Dennis Alexi. Joe Lewis look, is another one. Joe right? Lewis, yes. Joe Lewis yeah. was a bad man. I think Hands of Stone was his nickname. Those guys, those are real karate fighters, not uh, the McDojo stuff that we see these days. Yeah, and, and I think, and that's where, like, when jujitsu became popular through the UFC, I think it was like right at the right point where, you know, the the karate dojos were losing that hardcore aspect and they became more businesses than fight schools and people wanted to fight. And when they saw, okay, well, if this is what fighting is, I'm going to go to a Brazilian jiu-jitsu school. And I'll be honest with you, like the Brazilian jiu-jitsu school I was at in Philadelphia is originally a place called Maxercise, which was a Hoist Gracie affiliate, right? It was one of his uh, satellite schools. We would have people come in all the time that would want to fight us from other disciplines because of the ads that the Gracie family would put in Black Belt magazine. It's like, <laughs> hey, just, just show up. And, you know, like we had to be ready at the drop of a hat to if a guy come, came in from Taekwondo or karate or, or Muay Thai or boxing and we had to be ready to fight him. I think they called it the Gracie Challenge back then. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 It was. And did you always win? So we did. Right. Some of the guys were tougher than others. Some of the guys had, you know, like more skills. But at the end of the day, when we were training for something that, that didn't have a rule set and didn't have a time limit, that's where our advantage mm. came. Right. Mm. Because we have all the time in the world to win this fight. Whereas guys that aren't trained in that modality of understanding, like, all right, I need to pace myself. Because jujitsu, Elio Gracie, who's probably the guy that you could credit with making the fighting aspect of jiu-jitsu, the technical side of it, what it is, was a little guy. He's like five foot seven, 130, 140 pounds, where his whole mantra was technique beats size or strength, right? And back in those days, if we got to our spot, man, you know, like guys had no idea what we were doing and the leverage and the technique and the way we were make them carry, carry our weight. You know, if you're used to being on your feet and now you're on your back and you have 
some 160 pounds compressing on your diaphragm, right? You're not used to that compression. Like you're going to start panicking, making mistakes. And that's where, you know, back in those days, the jujitsu guy really kind of prevailed. You know, it's amazing that you, you, you can't even really comprehend it with words because, you know, I, I, I trained with several people back in the day in Texas and, um, I'm going to drop a name here. Eve Edwards, who was a UFC 155 pound contender. He fought for the title, I believe, but he didn't win. Man, he's got one of the coolest knockouts yeah. against uh, yeah, Josh Thompson. The, 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 the spinning back, ju- jumping yeah. roundhouse kick counter, which is amazing. Well, I thought I was a badass, you know, because I was cleaning house at the karate school, and and we were we were grappling. We'd go to Dallas and train jujitsu down there, and train with some of the MMA fighters in Dallas. And we're up in a small town called Sherman, and uh, a buddy of mine uh, fought Eves uh, in a small show here in Dallas. It was down in Houston, and he uh, Eve beat him. But they became really good friends. So Eve came up to our school, was training with us. And I remember the first time I rolled with him, I, I, I got scared because I could not comprehend what the hell was happening to me because I thought I had some skills. But Eve was just, I mean, he was just toying with me. And even though he weighed a buck 55, a buck 60, that's what I weighed at the time as well. Man, he felt. 250 to I mean, he was just so heavy and so fluid and his jujitsu was so smooth and his transitions were just phenomenal and i mean it was an extremely humbling and frightening experience <laughs> so you know it's funny i, I have like a, a the counter to that is you know once jujitsu became more popular and, and everybody was doing it right like the gracie family had accomplished what they wanted to accomplish and now you have like high level muay thai guys that you can't take them down Right. And you're like, man, what, do, how do, how do I fight this guy? Right. And it's like, what, well, he's just, I, I can't get him to the floor. And now he's punching me, kicking me, kneeing me and elbowing me. Right. And how do, how do I win this fight? And I'm like, well, you know what? I need to, I need to start doing right. what he did, but in reverse, I know I could grapple, but now I need to start learning my punching, my kicking, my kneeing and elbowing because, you know, we were, I'm not going to say we were sold a bill of goods as, as jujitsu martial artists, but you know, th- as we progressed, we realized that to be well-rounded, you can't be good at one art, right? And it's it's tough to say you could be good at all arts, right? You know, it's just, I don't think that's possible unless you're a professional athlete, right? But man, you know what? I got so much better at my striking where now <laughs> I can decide I could use my striking to get into my jujitsu or I can use my jujitsu to get into my striking or vice versa. I can use their striking to get to where I need to get. So um, I, I think we could all agree, those of us that have black belts in some kind of martial art, not just podcasting, uh, can can agree. <laughs> yeah, can, can agree. Can can agree that uh, over twenty five years, martial arts has changed a whole bunch. Oh yeah, most definitely, it's evolved to a whole. It's you, you can't even recognize it anymore. It's, if you go back twenty five years, go back to ninety three when the UFC kicked off, and you look at the UFC today. The fighters are so it's, – it's just a completely different level of understanding the human body and uh, the, the kinetic energy that is generated, whether it's on the floor or standing up or wherever it is. The fight can go anywhere nowadays, and they are so well-rounded in both styles of fighting that, uh, that it's just uh, – it, it's hard to even comprehend it. It really is, and, and it goes back to what I was saying about Eve. You just – if unless you feel it now, Marco, I know you. I know you felt it, Eric. It's just, it's, it's. Golly, uh, here I am speechless. I really am speechless because it's, it's hard to verbalize, but uh, it's it's definitely been an interesting ride. Yeah, just just think about Eric. If you were to grab a two and a half year old toddler, 
right? <laughs> and, and, like, and, and you could just throw them, flip them, and, and do whatever. Uh, if an untrained person versus a highly skilled fighter, it would, you're going to basically have the feeling that that toddler has. Like, I, I don't know what's going on here, but this person's just throwing me in the air and putting me down, and I can't do anything. Let me just, let me just go along for this ride. That's perfect. That's a perfect analogy. Out of curiosity, I think I heard this somewhere. Could everything be changing also because people, the sport is what, 20 something years old? 25. 25. Okay. So you have kids who have grown up with the sport, whereas early on you had different discipline experts kind of going at each other, testing their own disciplines. You actually have kids now who are training across the spectrum for the specific purpose of mixing them together. Well, 100%. Now, I just recently started, for oddly, for a martial arts school. I had not had a, a kid's program for a long time. And from a business perspective, uh, it probably wasn't the smartest thing, right? But for my sanity, it was like, all right, you know, I just want to deal with adults. <laughs> um, but now I've, I've restarted my, my children's program, and my kids learn both Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Muay Thai. So if they've never done martial arts before, their only experience is, hey, this is what martial arts is. Right. Like I punch and I kick, I grapple, I submit, I sprawl, I do takedowns. Uh, I, I do, you know, like I do everything that we've deemed to be effective. So they don't see it as um, they don't have that weird mental crossover, I'm guessing. Like you have one discipline. It's like, oh, I'm doing this style now, but then I'm doing that style now. They're learning it simultaneously. So it's almost like uh, speaking English and Spanish at the same time. One hundred percent. We can probably all agree is like back then, right? But like 25 years ago, think of us as gangs. Jiu-Jitsu was one gang. Taekwondo was another gang. <laughs> Kempo was another gang. Karate, boxing, and everyone's like, no, we're we're the ultimate fighting style. And the smarter people realized when we bring all of these fighting styles together, because they all have something to offer. Karate has something to offer. Um Taekwondo, boxing, jiu-jitsu, when we bring all of those best parts together, that really makes the best martial art, right? Because if you're just doing one, like, you know, a, scr a screwdriver is good for, for screw driving screws, right? You know, or screwing drives. <laughs> but, well, you can screw up a hard drive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, hottest drive ever. But, I mean, that's why we have a toolbox, right? And we, I want to look at fighting as, a, fighting as my toolbox. And what's the most appropriate tool for what I'm doing right now? Okay, to segue off a little bit, if you get somebody, you've seen me, you've met me in person. Yes. Who is completely untrained, not in super great shape, and a person like me is saying, hey, I, I'd like to learn this. I don't plan to go into cage fighting. I don't want to die. But what discipline would you recommend or, or combination of things that would be good for, let's say, our health and would be more approachable, especially when we're not as coordinated anymore? We're not quite as balanced anymore. We're not super athletic. Man, by meeting you, I would have thought all the opposite things that you were saying. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so it, it would really... I, I would ask you, like, ultimately, what's what's the one main goal that you're looking to accomplish, right? So, like, if if you were to come in and say, "Hey, Marco, you know what? I want to accomplish what? what? What are you looking to accomplish by getting involved in the martial arts?" Balance, cross training with running, and if I'm speaking for myself, just yes. um, being healthy, you know, being able to live longer, be flexible later in life, and be comfortable, and right. also to feel um, a sense of confidence in uh, potential confrontations or whatever, not like 
I want to necessarily beat somebody up or whatever, just that I can handle myself enough to get the hell out of there if I need. So then, you know, that's an, that's an easy, kind of an easy answer, right? Because if we want to think about like, I, I want to get in shape, I want to learn something that's effective. I want something that's going to kind of make me a, a better athlete, but kind of help my overall health, physical and mental. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'll say Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Muay Thai, right? Th- those two. Obviously, I have skin in that game since I since I teach both, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and most of my experience comes from from those two. But let's go a step back: a grappling art and a striking art, right? Those would be the two things you you would want to learn. And we'll take another step back from there. We need to make sure that you're in the right school, right? Because you could be, you know, and there is so many amazing schools out here, but they might not be right for you. It might be a school that caters to fighters. Well, what are you doing in a school that caters to fighters, even though they do have a beginner Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu program or judo or wrestling and, you know, striking and, and all this other stuff. You, you want to be somewhere where it's like, hey, you know what? I'm in class with a bunch of other people that have very similar goals as I have, right? And, and somewhere where I feel comfortable and that at my level of fitness they're going to work with me at my level of comfort. They're going to work with me and not kind of, you know, poke fun at me, you know, like somewhere where they're going to understand, Hey, you know what? This guy's a beginner, but he's not always going to be a beginner, right? We need to hold his hand right now until we don't need to hold his hand. Cause I think the, the martial arts experience is, is an amazing one. Um, any martial art is going to be great for certain areas of your life. Most martial arts are going to be great for fitness. Most martial arts are going to be great for, um, you know, your balance and, and, and all this other stuff. I can't say that most martial arts are going to be great for you to be able to defend yourself in its totality. But man, being involved in the martial arts is, has so many better benefits than just the physical that I just want people involved. What are some of those? So for, for me, I'll, I'll say that the, the, the best thing that the martial arts has ever done for me and I was as heavy as 240, right, out of shape, not doing anything with my life. Basically, you know, people would say, oh, he's a loser that eats cheesesteaks. You've been to Philly, so you know what they are. Uh, <laughs> and, and plays Nintendo all day, right? Ready Terminal, everyone. Yes. Make sure you go there. Oh, my God. Place is awesome. Um, and I went from that to a guy that I'm going to be cornering a fighter at the UFC in Lincoln, Nebraska, on the main card of Fox Sports 1. But besides that. Everything, the BS that your life gives you, right? And we all have plates that the BS gets piled on, right? Mm-hmm. And the only activity I've ever been able to do that cleans that plate for me, right, is the martial arts. Because when you're in the depths and the throes of live training or teaching or helping your students, nothing else should be and can be creeping into your mind. So it allows you to clear the plate so that you can fill it back up again. So to me, I think any activity that you can find, be it yoga, dance, Krav Maga, Jiu-Jitsu, Taekwondo, Mudaquan, whatever it is, if that's what you're looking for, if that's what you need in your life, it is the perfect martial art for you or martial sport. Yeah, yeah, I, I can I can attest to that. And the fact that you know, back when I first started martial arts, I, I was I was a I was a bullied kid with a birth defect that left me with sixty percent lung capacity. So I was never going to be uh, an athlete of any sort. I was about as coordinated as as, as three cats in a pillowcase. Uh, it's it was just it was horrible. And I started martial arts, and 
it literally transformed my life. And without the confidence and the skill sets, not just from a kicking and punching or rolling or, or wrestling perspective, but just from a facing your fear and facing confrontation and learning to deal with confrontation uh, in, a, in a positive manner, it, it changed my life completely. I wouldn't even be remotely close to the same person I am today if it wasn't for martial arts. Yeah, like, I, I mean, Eric, meeting you at the at the podcast convention, I was like, man, I just walked up to you. Hey, what's going on? We started chatting. Do, do, do you know what I'm saying? Just like, and, and part of that is that level of confidence. Like, I had no idea that the podcast convention was even going on. My wife told me about that meetup, and she said, hey, you might want to check this out. And mm -hmm. I, the martial arts has given me the ability to think quick on my feet, to not look like <laughs> a dummy when I was there. Oh, yeah, of course I knew about this whole thing that was going on, you know, but <laughs> But also to, 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 to have the confidence to, to talk to different people and kind of just say, hey, you know what, man, like I'm, I don't have a podcast, but I'm supremely confident that I could put out a good one and that I've, and I've recorded. And I know enough that, that, that the martial arts has given me I've, – I've become a quote-unquote expert in this field, right? And that's great. But what I don't want to be is somebody that's afraid to try to become an expert in other fields, right? And martial arts training – particularly for me, has given me that confidence to say, if I put my mind, energy, and effort behind something, I can get as good as possible, mm -hmm. right? I'm not going to say I could become the best because we all, we all reach a genetic potential in, in certain things, right? But man, I'm going to be a black belt to the level of degree that I could be a black belt in podcasting, in internet marketing, in website design, pardon me, in conversion rate optimization. I'm going to dive deep because I know I could dive deep and I have the energy, but also the confidence that if I don't know the answer now, I can get the answer later. That's really cool. So it's helped um, your mindset. I, I don't know. I always bring analogies to running because that's what I do. Mm -hmm. But completing a marathon is a major confidence builder. I, I can see my, my wife is, you know, she's, really kind of diving deep into athletics and she's doing a um uh, a spartan race and she's done she did a 5k a 10k then then a half marathon and just seeing her kind of tackle the that physical aspect of it but also seeing it carry over into her being a mom into a wife and you know my business partner here at the school and and all this other stuff like th those when when you let your guard down and say, hey, you know what? I know I'm not good at this, but I'm going to work to be really good at this. I mean, there's some, you know, it really liberates you to to fail and build off of those failures. Isn't that the magic of it, though, um, that it is failures, continuous failures, continuous. You have to keep failing and keep learning from that failure to overcome each one on the way as you learn each move, each position or whatever it is that the effort and the time that it takes is actually the magic of the whole thing to where you, you have the confidence. I can tackle this next task because it took me X number of years to even get this one done. Right. And it's like, <laughs> I, you know, people think that you just got there overnight. Right. And it's that series of, you know, <laughs> I didn't just get this black belt yesterday or this level of confidence yesterday. So you're saying it's like those getting, beat up like so a, a very real example is anytime i would go for a job interview or, or a promotion and all this other stuff i would always think that this interview cannot be nearly as horrifying as sparring with somebody getting punched in the face <laughs> or getting tackled you know it's like so what what do i care how this goes it's like they're not going to jump over the table and fight me and they're not going to be able to win if they did right, right. You, you know so yeah, it, 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 facing those types of confrontations are, are are really easy. After like what you're saying there, Marco is 
I, I specifically remember he's a great friend of mine now. Stacy Rice was a kid that I uh, he was a kid then. We're not kids anymore, obviously, but he was a black belt when I came to the Kenpo School right there about ninety three or so. And my goal in life was just to beat Stacy, <laughs> and he would beat the living crap out of me on the regular. And it took years before I could even even get on his level because I mean he was a hardcore Texas karate guy, and I was a kind of a little wimpy not karate guy. You know, I mean I was a karate guy, but like almost pink dojo ish. I hadn't converted over to the uh, to the to the dark side yet. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but I mean nothing is harder than stepping up to Stacy, knowing he is going to kick my ass, maybe even rearrange my face because he broke my nose once with a nice axe kick, just come straight down, hit me right square in the middle of the face. Pushed my nose over to the left side. It was beautiful. But I didn't think so at the time, but I do now. But there's nothing that's going to be that difficult as taking that axe kick to the face from Stacey Rice. Well, and I mean, and when we talk about, like, the benefit of the martial arts, that's it. Like, don't get me wrong. I don't think anybody wants to get their nose broken by an axe kick to have that no. uh, in their back pocket to be confident. But knowing <laughs> that, hey, hey, you know what? I can take an axe kick. I got my nose broken. And now it cuts one of two ways. Right. You were the guy that decided that I'm going to come back and I'm going to try and kick his ass again and again and again. Much like when I train with my instructor, Phil Migliorese, who's probably one of the like it, it's odd to say, but he's got to be one of the most beautiful jujitsu exponents I've ever seen. It's just like it's almost effortless. But I know it's he's put a ton of effort behind it. Every time I spar with him, I get decimated. Right. Every time I go to spar with him, I go, today's the day, pardon my language, my dear wife, Margaret, that I am going to fuck him up, right? <laughs> you, you know, and, and today's the day, and it hasn't come yet, but one day it may, <laughs> right? <laughs> but I have the confidence that today's the day. I, I, I describe him, um, my instructor, Phil, as Godzilla, and I'm Tokyo, <laughs> and the buildings in Tokyo seem like they're really strong and they're going to hold up, and it's like, I'm just going to walk through all of your techniques and smash you and then make fun of you and blow, you know, blue fire smoke in your face <laughs> and all that, that kind of stuff. So how about you, Larry? Did you ever win? Uh, with Stacy, I don't know that I won, but you know, <laughs> I don't want to say that on, on the, on the podcast cause he may listen and then he'll come over, <laughs> you know? So, <laughs> Hey, I'm curious, Marco, who are you cornering next weekend? So, uh, Tim Williams, as, uh, he's referred to as the South Jersey strangler. Mm hmm. And um, he's a, a man ta like he looks like a creature from a horror movie. Yes. I'm staring at him right now. Bald guy. He's got some he was in a, like a, an auto accident when he was a young man. He's got some crazy scarring on his neck and uh, all this other stuff. He is the sweetest human being, the nicest dude that you ever wanted to meet. He looks like he was going to, you know, like draw your blood and drink it. Right. <laughs> 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 and he's one of those guys that I I will always be in that guy's corner no matter what because and Larry you can you can understand where I'm coming from he's a martial artist first and a fighter second mm -hmm. so his uh, and uh, Eric I'm gonna kind of go go into this for so we have people that pursue MMA as an athletic pursuit right so mm -hmm. maybe they were a failed wrestler or uh, somebody that in their modality football or whatever um didn't get the successes that they wanted to have right mm -hmm. and now they look at mixed martial arts as a fallback position to maybe be a champion or, or be really good at something 
And now a lot of times what happens is it's just like any kind of other athlete at a certain point, either they reach that success or they don't, but their pursuit ends with either reaching that success or not. Right. I see. Okay. Um, but a martial artist is someone like uh, George St. Pierre. He mm-hmm. was retired for four years. He was still training karate. He was still training jujitsu. Nobody even knew if he was coming back, but he was still pursuing self-mastery. And that's what I think the martial arts really, like when it's done well, it teaches you how to master yourself, where it's you're not just an athlete. You're not just a fighter. You're someone that's, you know what, you're trying to beat these demons. And my path to beating these demons takes me through fighting. Right. And I fully support all of the guys that I've ever cornered. Um, and I've cornered some guys that are just athletes that want to fight. And that was not a great experience for me. But the martial artists that their path takes them through fighting. It's such a great experience. It's, it's amazing. So they're in, in it for the love of the actual art. I think what they're in it for is part of what they've decided that their challenge in life and in the martial arts is taking them through fighting and through combat right so i don't know if if it's the love but i'll say it's the challenge it's wanting to say hey is what i'm doing better than this other human being what what they're doing and challenging themselves because so not so much because they love the martial arts but because they are in love with the martial arts it's taking them through this Okay, I, I love analogies. That's something I'll probably be famous for. Um, Eric Clapton, I think everyone would agree, is a pretty good guitar player. Yeah, he's, he's not bad. He can strum a little. Yeah, well, he is on top of the world, but he will go and hear somebody who does a particular slide guitar like Dwayne Allman. He flies in and studies under them, and he does it to this day. Anytime he hears somebody who does something great, he flies to them. He asks to be taught. So here he is a guy who's considered, you know, top of the top of the top of the top, but he's always out there trying to get that next little technique, that that new knowledge. Would you consider that a, a martial artist type mentality? I would I would say so. You know, like Definitely. going going back to Tim Williams, like if you were to watch him and I work grapple i don't spar with him just because he's a young guy and i'm i'll be 46 okay stop it i know i look much younger um (laughs) (laughs) um so it it doesn't behoove me to get punched in the face by a professional ufc fighter but grappling is is a whole other thing right um and when we grapple and you had no idea who was whose coach you'd be like man that tim williams guy just beat the crap out of his coach why is his coach his coach right and it, he trusts me so much that it doesn't matter how we do with each other. He knows that I have the knowledge that he needs to help him overcome his opponent or overcome some sticking points. So he's not caught up in his own ego to say, well, he's, how could he be my coach if I could beat the crap out of him? You know, so like Eric Clapton is much more famous than um, – I forgot the guy's name who you referred to, but he's bringing that guy in to help him with a certain set of skills. So that is 100% of martial arts mentality, I believe. What do you think, Larry? Yeah, I, I agree 100%. It's, it's, the, it's the passion of the pursuit of perfection, uh, if, if you'll allow me to use a little, a little alliteration there. Um, Eric, especially for you, I would recommend reading The Book of Five Rings by Miyamoto Musashi. Uh, Musashi is a legendary sword fighter from Japan. It's a very, very short book, but it's 100% about strategy. And the life of, of Musashi was all about pursuing perfection. And he would do anything, take on any challenge, 
and certain challenges would give him different angles on life and different perspectives on life. But yet he still came out on top and it was that constant challenge. And once he felt that he had received all the challenges and he had defeated all of his opponents, he, he retired to a cave in Japan and, and wrote poetry and, and painted. But his philosophy is phenomenal. And I highly recommend it. But it, it, that's the encompassing uh, perspective of the martial arts. It's the constant pursuit of perfection. That actually um – that's awesome. But um, one thing you did bring up, Marco, and I, I want to address it because I think it's um, kind of elephant in the room. You mentioned at your age, getting punched in the head is not necessarily a bright thing to do. What about TBI? We're obviously concerned about it with the NFL and things like that. I would think that in an um, activity like mixed, uh, mixed martial arts, it uh, has to be a very real concern. Right. So it's, it's, um, you know, a lot of times I, I like using this term that I have not co- coined, but we go into these things eyes wide open, right? So if you're making it to the UFC, right, which Tim has made, he understands that he's uh, eventually going to have to pay a debt sooner and or later, hopefully more orthopedic than, than brain injury related, because no matter what, at a certain point, he's going to be getting hit in the head and hit in the head repeatedly, right? So he's made a conscious decision that this is his life's pursuit and he wants to follow it, right? So, yeah, like from – so if I take a step back from being a trainer and someone that loves him as a friend, right, mm-hmm. uh, that's a 100% concern for me. Like I would never want him to um, have certain a- aspects of his life be diminished uh, because it's number one, my fault, or number two, something I could have prevented, right? But mm. he he knows these things, right? Anybody that like, if anybody tells you any differently, they don't know that these things can happen. They're lying to you, right? Like, if you're a fighter, getting hit in the head is something that's going to happen. Um, and there are kind, there are a lot of things that we try to do to mitigate uh, a bunch of the contact that happens. There's safe sparring. There's light sparring to the head because as you progress as a fighter. You don't necessarily need to be going to war during every training camp or need to be going to war and getting hit in the head um, because, you know, you can only take but so many blows, right, where it right. starts to d- diminish your skills. We look at some of the most famous boxers in the world, you know, Muhammad Ali, right? Mm-hmm. He's uh, a mess. Tom, Tommy Hurt. Well, Muhammad's dead now, but Tommy Hurt. No, he he's was a, a mess. He was, and he's a hell of a mess now. Um, uh, Tommy, Tommy <laughs> Hurts. You know, guys like that where – you know, they took so many blows to the head that it gave them problems later in life. So as someone that's a, a parent and someone that loves Tim as a friend, man, it's, it's, it, it's very scary. But I much rather be there to, to kind of have some uh, control over the situation than not. Like knowing like and I think that's another reason why he, he has me as one of his coaches is that he really trusts me and he believes that. Um, I have his best interest at heart, you know? So yeah, it, it's, it's 100% scary. It's not for the faint of heart. And if you go into fighting, realize that you're going to be paying a debt somewhere <laughs> along the line. Okay. And on that note, because, well, it's all about me anyway. Of course. Uh, if somebody like me were to train a mixed martial arts, I'm concerned about that happening to me. Now, can you, can you learn and get skilled without having to get your head kicked all the time? 
Right. So I would ask you if you're already coming in with a traumatic brain injury, right? Because just based on how we're talking right now, right? I kid, I joke. Come Definitely on. Definitely dramatic brain yeah. injury. I think he was insulting you there, Eric. I'm not <laughs> no, sure. That's no, dramatic. <laughs> right. Not uh, traumatic, but dramatic. So my oldest student is 62 years old, right? He got involved in the martial arts as a 61 year old man, right? Hmm. Um, I am not going to get him into sparring that a 62 year old guy that's never trained before needs to get into. Right. Uh, if he were to ask me at some point, Hey Marco, can I do a little bit of harder sparring? I would advise against it. If he were to ask me again, I would advise against it. I would advise against it to a certain point of saying, Hey man, if you really want to try hard sparring, I'll set it up for you. And then we can go from there. So can you get skilled? Yes, you can get skilled. Can you be Tim Williams? No. Can you be, would you be able to prepare yourself for a UFC fight? No. Can you be skilled enough where you can have the reactions and we could train you in a way that you'd be ready for a street fight or a confrontation? 100%. But I definitely wouldn't train you like I would train someone that has aspirations um, to fight in the UFC or mixed martial arts or Muay Thai or boxing. So to be honest with you, like I, I look at each person individually and say, okay, mm-hmm. you know what? You're coming to me. Come on, dude, you, you really want to fight MMA? This isn't the right place for you. I'm not the right guy, right? But if you were 22 and say, hey, I want to fight MMA, I see how hard you train, and then I have a real conversation with you. Are you ready to get hit in the face? Do you understand what comes with that? You know, like th- those kinds of things. Okay, that's great. So you're saying you can get the health and um, mental benefits and all that without having to get deep into the fighting game or anything like that. 100%. And Larry could probably tell you the same thing. Like, you, and Any martial art has an aspect to it where you – don't have to get hit in the head to get a lot of benefits out of it. At the end of the day, though, sometimes getting hit in the head is necessary so that you know you could take it. I mean, being, being honest, right? No, yeah. I, know, I know. I hear what you're saying. And, you know, back in the day when I was training to fight, because I fought Texas slap fighting, Pancrase type fights back then, because MMA wasn't even allowed in the state of Texas. We couldn't punch to the face. You guys are so progressive fist. down there. I know, right? But, uh, well, you know, now no, we they can have guns, it. dude. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's true, too. But, um, <laughs> You know, I took far more damage in the gym than I ever took in a fight. I, I never got knocked out in a fight, but I got knocked out more than once in the gym. And that's where you have to, like Marco was saying, determine what level of training you want. A lot of programs exist for, uh, most of them call them executive programs, uh, where you can train and you kick and punch and even roll a little bit. When I say roll, I'm talking about jujitsu or, or just grappling, ground fighting, Eric. Uh they allow that with, with minimal contact, you, you know, maybe it's a light spar or it's a light roll, and it focuses specifically on technique as compared to competition. Cool. Okay. So to wrap things up, what would be a good parting message for the audience to consider with martial artists for themselves or for their family members? So I, I think like I, I, I might have given you the parting shot earlier is that, to, you know, I'm going to be an exponent of martial arts. Larry's obviously going to be an exponent of martial arts because, you know, we went from being <laughs> nerds to being some of the coolest guys on earth, you, you know, like doing podcasts and all that, all that other stuff. And like, you know, I went from being a fat kid, right? And this is not, this is a safe place, everybody. So I'm not insulting anybody with a fat kid, but, you know, going from 240 pounds to being, I'm currently 176, right? In December, I was 205, right? Hmm. So however, I, it's taught me 
that when I put my mind to it, I can achieve it, right? And being able to find an activity, again, Mudaquan, Taekwondo, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, you know, Jeet Kune Do, Tai Chi, whatever that activity is, and you enjoy doing it, you enjoy being the people around you that are doing it with you. You're in an atmosphere of people that are lifting you up to make you taller or make themselves taller, right? Not standing on you to make, make themselves taller. Um, then that's what I would say you need to search for is that, is that, that, that group of people, that dynamic. I would say Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Muay Thai um, because that's what I do and that's what I love and that's what I'm passionate about. Like find that and if you find a good school, it'll be you know, transformative. But if it's another martial arts, if it's CrossFit, if it's Olympic lifting, uh, something that gives you that inner strength, but also that ability to wipe the slate clean, man, you should definitely go for it and not be someone that's sitting in front of a computer with a headset just talking into microphones, you know? Hey, wait a minute. Well, well, I'm sorry. I'm I sorry. resemble that <laughs> remark. Any uh, parting wisdom, Larry? I don't know that I have wisdom, but I have a question, and I want to know who do you got? You got you got Vic next weekend, or you got Gaethje? Man, you know, it, it's funny. I'm so – like, so I put a bunch of predictions out every UFC. If you, if you follow me on yeah. uh, on any social media, if you just look – I'm going to give myself a plug here at the end. Team NJMA on Instagram. And I'd say 90% of the time, I don't even know who the fighters are anymore because there's so many of them. So I'm just, like, <laughs> right. showing darts. Gaethje is such a fun fighter to watch. It's tough to pick against him. I haven't seen enough of Vic to know one way or another. So I, I know Gaethje, so I'm going to have to go with him. Oh, see, and now we're going to have to we're going to come back together because I got I'm going to go with Vic because I think Vic's more technical and I think he can dish out a lot of punishment. Now Gaethje's tough as nails, but I think Vic's technique is going to well, is going to win I'll on be the end. at that fight, so I could give you yeah, firsthand, yeah. you know, like experience of what's going on. That'd be awesome. Awesome. Hey, thank you both so much for coming on here. And um, where can everybody find you, Marco? Uh, well, I, uh, they can find me in Maple Shade, New Jersey, when I'm not at the Reading Terminal buying cheesesteaks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm in Maple Shade. My school is called New Jersey Martial Arts. Uh, I'm the owner here in Maple Shade. I have a second location where my business partner, Chris Hughes, runs in, in Delran, uh, New Jersey. And on Instagram, Team NJMA, if you look up New Jersey Martial Arts on Facebook and Twitter and Marco Perrazzo on, uh, on Facebook, I'm like, I'm all over social media and, uh, I'm, I just thank you for having me on. This has definitely been a blast and it's been a pleasure meeting you, Larry. Awesome. And Larry. Yes, sir. Where can we find you? You can find me at readilyrandom.com. You can find me at Larry Roberts on Facebook. Uh, I also have a, a page for my podcast on Facebook. It's Readily Random. And actually, it's Readily Random everywhere. Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, Twitter. You name it. I'm out there at Readily Random. So, Hey, thank you both for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Marco, thank you very much. I, I appreciated the conversation. It was awesome. No, no, thank you, man. This has uh, definitely been a blast. Now, tonight's adventure into the unknown. Shut up and sit down. Hey, it's Sarge. And Frenzy. From the Sarge Approved Podcast. Uh, if you're not familiar, the Sarge Approved Podcast has a guest every episode featuring uh, people like actors. Comedians. Uh, survival experts. Authors. Martial arts experts. Basically a whole gamut of badass people. Yes. And you can check out all our episodes on all the podcast platforms, iTunes, 
Spreaker, uh, uh, Stitcher, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio. Um, yeah. You can check us out on all our social media Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all the things. It's all at Sarge Approved. Yep. Check it out, and we hope you enjoy it. Bye.